but they're from Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and then Matthew 25, 21 through 46. I want to read Genesis 1, 26 through 31, and then part of that Matthew passage for you as we prepare to hear God's word to us. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the living things that move on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heaven, and everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was an evening, and there was a morning, the sixth day. Now, the Matthew passage, we want to skip down to verse 31. I want to let you know the context. You need to know the context from that first few verses there of 21 to 31 that allows you to know that Jesus is talking about being a good and faithful servant. He's talking about what that looks like. Being wise and being a good steward. And then Jesus says this, When the Son of Man comes in glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Let's pray. Father, you are good to us. We pray that as we talk about a posture of care, that you will guide us, that we will hear your words, that if these words are not yours, that they will be cast away, that they will burn up, but that if they are your words, Father, that they will take root in our heart, that we will bear good fruit for you. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray these things. Amen. Well, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about posture and what posture looks like. And we talked first about a posture of welcome, that we as followers of Christ should have a posture of welcome where we are gathering people in, that that welcome is not a casual welcome, it is not a passive welcome, but it is a pursuing welcome, that it goes out to the highways and the byways to find people to welcome them into the kingdom of God, to welcome them into our lives, to be part of who we are. Last week, we talked about a posture of four that our natural tendency is to be against. 
Our natural tendency is not to be for people, but in Christ and his love, because he is for us. And if he is for us, how can anybody be against us? And then how can we be against anybody else? That we remember and learn that the wall of hostility that is between us has been crucified with Christ on the cross. And so there's no way that we can be there. There's no way that we can be against people. We have to be for them in our lives. Today we're going to talk about a posture of care. That as individuals, as followers of Christ, as those who are trying to investigate what this is, about why I should follow Christ, hopefully this will paint a picture for you of something glorious and magnificent, something that God will use to woo you to himself. But it also reminds us as a body, as a gathering of people, how we should be interacting, how we should look at one another. So it sort of starts off as a joke. You've heard the joke, right? There's a priest, and there's a lawyer, and there's a Samaritan, and they walk into a bar. It's actually not the way it goes. But if you stop and think about it, it could start as a joke. So there's this man, and he's on his way to Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus tells us that what takes place is he is beat down, and he is robbed. And he's left there half dead, ready to be taken out. Just left. All his possessions are taken away from him. And all of a sudden, on that same road passing by is a priest, a religious man, a holy man. And he walks by him, and he steps to the other side of the road as he passes by. Then next to Levi, a lawyer, one who knows the laws, walks by, sees him, and doesn't stop. And then a Samaritan, someone who shouldn't have stopped by because of the animosity, the againstness that was there by culture, by heritage, by heredity, that culture that of against was present. But the Samaritan stops. And if we look in Luke chapter 10, it says this. It says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Then he asked this lawyer who had said, what is this? Why, why this, why, why, who is my neighbor? And we'll get to why he asked that question. Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers. This man answered him, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Now oftentimes when we hear this joke or this story or this parable, it is one that can cause immediate conviction for us. It's one where we can kind of feel shame all of a sudden rushing in on us saying, I don't know that I've done that well taking care of those people around me. I don't know that I've done my best looking out for them. It's very similar to what happens when we read that passage in Matthew. That passage in Matthew that Jesus says, when I come again, I will separate the sheep from the goats. And oftentimes we have heard that passage as a a passage of judgment, a passage where it looks at us and says, you've not done the right thing. But what I want to tell you today is that's not what this is about. That in fact, that this is a passage of freedom that moves us into being able to have a posture of care. 
Because within both of these passages, we begin to recognize something about who God is and something about who we are. And really, it takes us back to the very beginning of a sermon series that we started when I first got here. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? Jesus told the parable because a lawyer comes up to him and says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What is the thing that I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, what's written in the law? How do you read it? Tell me what you think. How do you interpret it? And the man answers him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Do this. And as a caveat, the man says, wait a minute, who's my neighbor? Because I know I don't want to love everyone. That's really why he's asking it. It's not because he wants to make sure he's got it all right. It's because he knows there are certain people already in his life that he does not want to engage with, that he does not want to have a posture of care for, that they are not worthy of his care. So he needs to get some clarification. Lord, can you break it down for me a little bit? Who is it that is my neighbor? And Jesus answers him with this parable. But if you notice there, the man is on the right track. Why? Because he points out that all the law and the prophets, everything is summed up by this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourselves. And the thing that we learn about a posture for care in this is that it takes us to the full intention of what the Father wanted all along. When he created us, like Adam and Eve that we read in Genesis 1, when he set forth and created us, breathed life into us, it was so that we could have a right relationship with him, a right relationship with ourselves, a right relationship with others, and a right relationship with place. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. In order to do that, Jesus knows that this man must have a right relationship with God. That he must understand who he is in that relationship and have a right relationship with himself. And that he has to have a right relationship with others, understanding how God has woven us together. And so Jesus pushes in and he shows them what does it mean to be a good neighbor. A posture of care starts in that a place of recognition of what our relationship is with God, with ourselves, with others, and place. That's the reason why today, as we unpack what a posture of care looks for, we hold these both of these passages together. This idea that creation was made and it was good, and it is for us to have dominion over. Now, dominion is really a word that can seem like it's dominion, right? But it really means shepherding and care, cultivation. So it's not something that we suppress, it's something that we edify. It's not something that we push down and control, it's something that we build up and we comfort. We care for creation. And so Apostrophe Care looks at the world in general and doesn't look at it as something that's falling apart, even though we know from Romans that it is. But we look at it as a reflection of who God is and His amazing grace, His mercy towards us, and we step into it to care for it. Now, what does that look like practically? Well, I think it looks practically different for all of us. <laughs> How we do that, the place that we are. That God calls us differently to interact with that. 
Now, the danger that we have is this. Sometimes when we have a posture for care because the Father gives that to us, it is put into our hearts in creation to have dominion, to have care for this place. We sometimes can elevate the world higher than what it should be, and it takes the place of the Creator. Now we do that in lots of different ways. We actually have causes for the world that become greater than the cause of Christ in our lives. You probably in your mind can go through and think through things. Let me give you a cautionary stance here. The things that you're going through your mind and and beginning to name in your place, be careful that you don't step into a place of against. Because in that you can go, yeah, it's all those crazy greenies (laughs) that do that. And all of a sudden, you've stepped into a place of against. See, a posture of care says, yes, while they might be, others might be in a place where they're elevating something beyond. I have that tendency as well. Our tendency sometimes, as followers of Christ, are to say, Jesus is coming back, and the world's going to burn up anyway, so we really don't have to care that much for it. Okay, maybe that's just me. Like, what's the point, right? It's going to get renewed anyway. Well, here's the amazing thing about it. That Genesis reminds us that creation, though it is in a fallen state, was good and is good. God created it that way. His creation does not lose that goodness. And we then are called in our stance to be cultivators and caregivers of it. So we look at every possible way that we can move in this world to create a society that sustains the earth that we're in and creates new opportunities for people to experience Christ. That's what believers do. So we move as a posture of care for the world. Sometimes that means we recycle. Sometimes that means we eat sustainable. Sometimes that means that we try not to be wasteful. Sometimes that means that we support artists. Sometimes that means we listen to good music. Sometimes that means we try and shut all the doors while we run the air conditioner. (laughs) Sometimes it means as we walk down the street and we see a piece of litter, we pick it up. We don't just let it sit there. Very practical, very easy, but very difficult. And we don't do it because we think, brownie point, (laughs) you know. We, We don't do it because we think, yes, I'm a good person. No, we do it because Christ has moved in our lives and he has created us, God has, before the foundation of the world to be in a posture of care. But more importantly than the world is the people that are in it. Oftentimes it is easier for us to care for the world than the people that are in it. And Jesus wants to make that point. He does it quite vividly with the sheep and the goats when he tells about his coming. And he wants to make it very clear and very evident that we are to step into places of hardness. That we are to be intrusive in one another's lives. You see, because in our society, it's very difficult for us to know when someone is hungry, very difficult for us to know when somebody is poor, very difficult for us to know when somebody is thirsty, very difficult for us to recognize a stranger because we focus on ourselves so intently. And we hide the fact that often we are the ones that are hungry, we are the ones who are cold, 
We are the ones who are thirsty. We are the ones who are sick. You see, we have to move to a place where we recognize our right relationship with ourselves and others. A posture of care can only spring into our hearts by the Holy Spirit in a place where we recognize I am the man that was beaten. I am the neighbor that is in need. That's a hard place for us to be. We want to be self-sufficient. We want to be in a place where we can uh, be seen as somebody who's got it all together, somebody who knows how to live, somebody who can set a good example. Or we just don't want to be bothered <laughs> by other people. By, I got enough worries of my own. I got enough stuff going on. I don't need to be bothered by somebody else. And we close our eyes. We are so hard on the Levi and the priest. They had meetings to get to, guys, and we all do that. They had things that they had to get to. <laughs> it wasn't that they were rude or mean or cruel or cold-hearted. They were important people. They had things that they needed to accomplish and do. Things that probably God had set forth for them to do. But their eyes were not on their neighbor. Their eyes were on themselves. A posture of care springs from the place where we recognize that we are the man that is beaten, that we are the neighbor in need. See, oftentimes we will look at these passages and we will try to build ourselves up in them. We will try to say, oh yes, I would be the good Samaritan, or yes, I'm the good sheep. But how did Jesus identify himself? Jesus, in this passage in Matthew, identifies himself as those in need. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. And for those of us who are followers in Christ, our identity has been shifted from ourself and placed firmly in Jesus Christ. And so where Jesus identifies himself, that's where we move and identify ourselves. And so when we go out to help those who are sick or those who are thirsty or those who are hungry, we do it from a place of identification. We do it from a place where we understand and know because we identify with that. It's at that place that the posture of care moves, <laughs> moves from just a head game to a heart game. All of us have strong enough wills to do good. <laughs> but it's when we're doing good from the place of brokenness, the place of recognizing how we sit in Christ, that it becomes care, which is much different. One of my favorite sermons, I didn't get to hear it, but I've read it a lot, is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> And in that sermon, he gives a call to his followers. And he says to them that you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. One of the most amazing things about salt is this. Salt's, one of salt's primary properties is that it suppresses bitterness in food. 
So oftentimes you will put salt on something that's bitter. And the reason why you do is you say it's going to bring out the sweetness of that. You, you do it on a grapefruit or you, you might do it on something like a watermelon and it gives it a little bit more sweetness. It's not that in that it is making the sweetness come out. It's that salt is suppressing the bitterness that resides in it. So when Jesus says to us as followers of Christ that we are the salt of the earth, the posture of care is one that goes forth and suppresses bitterness. We step into places that are broken, places that are hard, places that are bitter. And by having Jesus, by being in Him, we have the ability through His Spirit to suppress it, to bring care to it, to have faith in that situation, to say that yes, while the world seems hard, yes, while life is complicated and falling apart, that yes, while it doesn't seem like much care has been given, we can love in the midst of it and suppress the bitterness that is there. The posture of care is one that suppresses bitterness. How does that work? Wow. I'll be honest with you. I don't know completely. <laughs> I, I, I wish I did. I wish I could say, here's five ways that we, as followers of Jesus, have the ability to suppress bitterness in this world. I don't, other than this. We know that Jesus identified with those who were broken, those who were lost, those who were thirsty, those who were hungry. That in that way, because we are in Christ, we are identified in that way as well. And that out of our brokenness, out of the places of our pain, out of the hurting that we have, where we have received care from the body, we then are strengthened to be able to give care to everyone else. And not just those who are present in our gathering, but everyone that we encounter. That in every moment that we have, we should walk away, and that person who has encountered us should walk away in a sense that something has been relieved in me. That bitterness has been suppressed. And the sweetness of the grace of God has come forth. Quite honestly, it builds on the fact that we're welcoming and that we're for. To be able to have a posture of care, we have to be welcoming to everyone we encounter. And we have to be for them, knowing that Christ was for us. But it's at that place of identification with Christ in his pursuit of us that we are able to move to that place. Now think about it. If we as individuals and as a gathering of people are a place where people's bitterness in their life can be suppressed. Not for all time. Because <laughs> bitterness comes back in. But for a moment, for care, so that we can step in and be in that posture of care. It releases us 
to what we're going to talk about next week, <laughs> which is creativity. See, creativity. It releases us to produce, <laughs> to create, to bring about life. And so we rest today in this knowledge that we have a posture of care that's been given to us by the Father. He came and sought us out because we were broken and he made us whole. In the same way, we seek out the bitterness of this world and those around us in order to suppress it as salt, to bring the sweet grace of Christ to them. Let's pray.